0: It's okay for us to meet and do these live streams. We have 10 or less people in the room. They are following social distancing regulations as much as possible. If you notice, I make sure that the singers and Jason are kind of standing pretty far apart so you get the whole six feet thing. So we're trying to stay with all of the regulations we're doing. Again, we will keep you up to date as much as we can with what is going on. I would say uh, if you're going to comment on that Facebook and YouTube pages, Be nice, (laughs) be kind... And uh, just love one another and how we do that. Uh, if you are new, this is your first time to Element. What a way to kind of show up for the very first time on a live stream! It's great. Uh, if you have a Bible this morning, that is great. If you don't, you can download an app. It is called Uversion. You click on More and then Events in Uversion when you download it. And because where you might be this morning, you might have to type in a zip code. Type in 93455, and we will come up by that zip code, and you will see see today's message, which is Acts Part 2, Week 12. Uh, You will get sermon notes. You will get questions. You will get verses. You will get the announcements uh, from this morning as well. All of those things. Uh, My name is Aaron. I am one of the pastors at Element. Uh, You can stand with me where you are for the reading of God's Word. Now uh, this is Acts chapter 16 verse 3. And it says Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Let's pray. Thought of this morning uh, I ask that you would be moving in among us, no matter where we are, no matter what state we are in, no matter where we are in the city, but that you would move in our hearts to begin to understand the ways that we can reach out to the world that is around us in ways that honor and glorify you and meet the needs in practical ways. That we would understand that our great hope of rescue and redemption comes only from your hands. And we live that out in ways of great hope to the people who that are around us. And we would love you by how we do that. And you would gain great glory even in this time where we cannot meet together in this room. And we do this all for who you are. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so go ahead and have a seat on your couch. Take a drink of coffee. Hopefully, it'll keep you awake through this. Uh, we are doing a series of Element through the New Testament book of Acts. We're calling it Acts Part 2 because about... Four years ago, we did Acts part one. When we did Acts part one, it was chapters one through 12. And we did it essentially for three main reasons. Number one was we wanted to see the beginnings of the early church and Jesus' call to mission for every single one of us. Secondly, we realized that there are a lot of people who come to Element, who are in the Air Force, they're transitional. Some people live in California and they just want to get out of California. And so there's a lot of transition. And we wanted you to know what to look for in a church if you had to move somewhere else. And the third thing is is that we wanted to understand that when we live on mission with and for Jesus, not everything always goes the way that we think it's going to go. But in the midst of it all, we can be a people that trust him. And really the second part of Acts, doing chapter 13 through the end of the book, is really showing that how we can trust him in all these different ways. The good news of what he brings, even in the midst of a COVID-19 outbreak. How God's rescue goes hand in hand with how we live our lives. So today to get what is happening, in the book of Acts, we have to kind of talk about things that we have for the last few weeks with this whole discussion of whether God required anything extra for salvation other than faith in Christ's death and resurrection given for us. When Paul goes around spreading the good news, the gospel of what Jesus did to rescue us, many people believed in that good news. But Christianity is the culmination of Judaism. So it was and is a very Jewish faith. And this is the thing, when Paul comes to understand this, because Paul is very Jewish in who he is. But at this point, there's a lot of non-Jewish people who are coming to also believe. And as Paul speaks to these people, and they believe in the grace of God, it is wonderful, but other people come along behind them who are very Jewish and say, there are certain things you also need to do to be part of the family of God. These people who would see themselves as being the most committed to God. Now, the Jews, they didn't do this out of any sort of animosity because the Jews believed the promises that God made, that it was through them that the blessings would come to the world. And they did because the blessings came to culmination in the person of Jesus. But this kind of morphed into this idea that everybody needs to be a Jew in ritual and practice. And the idea, again, it wasn't out of malice, but out of a way of life that they believe restored true life to those around them. The Gentiles, non-Jews that Paul spoke to, they believed in the grace of God. They believed in Jesus' sacrificial death, taking away our sins, restoring us to relationship with God again. But what happened is other people came along behind Paul who were much more focused on Judaism and not necessarily just the great grace of who Jesus is. And they started telling these people that they needed to follow the Jewish ritual law in order to be part of the family of God in order to be saved. You have a Bible, open to Acts chapter 15. Now this caused a real big hubbleu in the early church, and Paul and Barnabas didn't care for the legalism and adding anything to the grace of the gospel. So this big argument takes place, and eventually it goes to this church in Jerusalem, to this thing called the Jerusalem Council, where they talk about this, and they talk about the good news, and is there anything on top of the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection that we need to look to for our salvation? And their answer was, no, it is just Christ's death and resurrection. Everything else is extraneous practice. And so they said the Gentiles did not need to be circumcised and follow Jewish rituals. And all the Gentiles went, whew, (laughs) thank goodness for that, because many of them, if Christianity equaled circumcision every Gentile, every Greek Christian would not have been circumcised, so every male would have had to do that. And can you imagine trying to convince a grown man to circumcise themselves? This is why we believe Abraham was a man of great faith, because Abraham was circumcised when he was like over 60 years old. Man of great faith. I bet so. Yeah. Anyway, it's one of the reasons that we look at the scriptures and we thank God for the great grace that he has given us. Paul and Barnabas, as well as two messengers, go to this from the Jerusalem Church back to these people that these Jews were saying they had to be circumcised. And this is what they said. Acts fifteen, starting in verse twenty-four. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth, for it has seemed Good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Now, I told you that these requirements have nothing to do with salvation. They were how can these early church people from all these different cultural perspectives get along and learn to love and serve one another. Now, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16, because there is great celebration that it is by grace that we are saved and we can all come together. But now Paul decides to go on his next missionary journey. And when he starts to do that, he is going to take two people with him, Silas who is one of those people that came from Jerusalem, and this young man named Timothy. And this is what you read. Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. But Paul came to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. And this would be the message about grace and not adding anything to the grace of jesus for salvation verse five so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily so they end up in this place called lystra if you remember what happened in lystra lystra was this place where paul healed somebody and they all wanted to worship him as a god when he turns down that worship other people stir these people up again and they decide to instead kill paul what you kind of see here is that one of the places that look like your greatest failures becomes one of the places of greatest grace. And this is where you run into Timothy. Now, Timothy will have two letters sent to him by Paul that make it into the New Testament. He will say in 1 Timothy 1, verse 2, Timothy is my true son in the faith. Timothy is probably no older than his late teens or early 20s when he joins Paul in Acts 16, but he had distinguished himself already as being faithful. Timothy will end up as Paul's representative to multiple churches. He will end up being a pastor in the city called Ephesus. And Paul will give Timothy advice that would do well for all of us to listen to. Things like read the scriptures, uh, exhort others in their faith, teach others. Don't neglect the gifts that you've been given. Now Timothy also had something wrong with his stomach and so Paul says, hey, change your diet a little bit that may help you to feel a little bit better, which could also be good news for some of us. If you have a diet of beer and pizza all the time, you don't feel good, change your diet. I'm not saying that was Timothy's diet, but anyway, we are also told, and this is important, that he was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. That doesn't mean his father wasn't A believer. It doesn't mean he was either. But the reason for the next line comes out of that, verse 3. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, this is where we're going to spend our time with this morning, because this almost seems like a contradiction in what Paul is doing. I'm going to give you a lot of history this morning, so if you love history, it's your holiday Sunday. If you hate history, just muddle through it and go along with me. If you've been following, that should stand out to you, because Paul and Barnabas just spent the majority of chapter 15 arguing why Gentiles did not need to be circumcised. And now, the first thing Paul does in Acts 16, right after all this hula-blue, is he wants to take ten- Timothy to places to talk about grace, but he circumcises Timothy first. Do you think Timothy is like, but wait, 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 didn't you just say, I <laughs> don't need to do that? Verse 4, as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. The text even says they were taking these decisions about salvation by grace and grace alone to all of these places, and yet he circumcises Timothy. Now, if you have a Bible, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This little section in Acts 16 has caused a lot of controversy. Uh, Some people say there's an inconsistency in what Paul is doing, but I don't think so. I think it is going to exactly who Paul has always been, someone who looks at the culture around him and wants to find the best way to reach the people that he is sent to love. So this is what happens at 1 Corinthians 9 19-23. This is kind of Paul's whole vision for everything that he does. He says this, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law though not myself being under the law that I might win those who are under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside The law. To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Now I call this message today All Things to All Men. Part one. There's going to be a part two. It'll be in about 10 weeks from now. But what you have to understand is Paul does these things to take the gospel further. And it's not just that Paul was all things to all men in these two messages I will give you, but he did it all the time. It's just more pronounced in these two messages. At the point where Paul is in Acts 16, his main method of how he will share the gospel is he will go into a city and in that city he will go to the synagogue first he will talk to the jewish people because that's who he's from and he knows them and their story it's easy to relate so he goes in but in order to be heard in those synagogues he must be acceptable to them because acceptable to them means also acceptable to god and for that to happen you had to be circumcised Now, Paul knows that in his acceptance in God, it's by what Christ did alone. But he wants these people to hear him and the message of grace. Paul doesn't show up with placards and signs and protests and say, Oh, your theology is terrible. Repent. He shows up acceptable to them in order to have a conversation with them because God loves them, and so does he, and so does he. And I think a lot of people miss this great open grace that God has always had. I was recently watching this interview on the Joe Rogan experience, and he is interviewing a guy named Ben Shapiro. And when I say Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro, liberals and conservatives, all rejoice. So there you go, both sides of that. Anyway, during the conversation, Ben Shapiro, who is Jewish, was saying he didn't want to change how the government saw marriage because he didn't care, and that he belonged to a religion, Judaism, that didn't care if anyone converted or not. He actually said this. He said, we would rather no one converted, really just leave us alone. And that is actually not true at all. And it's kind of sad for someone who claims to be an Orthodox Jew to say that. Because Judaism is not, and was never meant to be, a closed system. People misunderstand Judaism when they think about it that way. And that's part of the problem when Jesus comes, that he goes after the religious leaders for. That they thought and believed that only the Jews mattered, and that no one else did. That only they were blessed. And they saw that great blessing from God reserved only for them. And they forgot that God called them to bless the entire world because they had first been blessed. In the Old Testament, what we call the Hebrew Scriptures, God tells Abraham that he would bless him to be a blessing to the entire world. It's a very expansive vision. In Isaiah 2, verse 2, it says, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. In verse 4, it says that we'll take our implements of war, our swords and our spears, and we will beat them into implements of cultivation. We will come together and be one people. That is an expansive vision. It wasn't one God for the Jews and whatever for everybody else. It was one God, one people under Him. That's the vision of the Hebrew Scriptures. And throughout the Old Testament, and even the first century statement of Acts, people came and they did attach themselves to Judaism. They attached themselves to this message, people who were not Hebrew or Jewish by birth. And there are two ways that you could actually do this. And I'm going to overly simplify this, and you might say, Aaron, you're being overly simplistic. Yes, I am. Just get over it and go with me because I don't got you know, hours and hours to explain this. But there are essentially two ways to become Jewish. First, you can become one by being a convert or a proselyte. This wasn't easy because it mainly involves circumcision. There's an old story. I don't know if you heard it, but there's a rabbi and a Baptist minister and a Catholic priest. How all good stories start, I know. Anyway, they're becoming close friends, and they decide to take up a hobby together to grow them together. They decide to learn the way of the samurai, sword fighting. So after years of training, they finally go to Japan for their test. And they sit down, and an old samurai goes in front of them and pulls a fly out of his pocket. And he starts with a Catholic priest, and he tosses it in the air. And the Catholic priest goes, oh, shwack, cuts it right in half. And the samurai master says, you pass. He goes to the Baptist minister, pulls out another fly, throws it up in the air. And the Baptist minister goes, swack, swack, swack. And the fly falls down in three pieces. And the Baptist minister says, it's like the Father, Son, and Spirit, one fly. And the guy says, you pass. And he goes to the rabbi, and he pulls out a fly, and he tosses it in the air. And the rabbi's all, swack, 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 And the fly just falls on the ground. It's rolling around in pain. And the master says, you don't pass. And the rabbi says, look closer. I just circumcised it. I hope you guys are laughing at home. I don't know. Anyway, circumcision was one of the things you had to do to become a Jew. You had to be circumcised. I mean, there are lots of other steps involved, but in most cultures, that's really the biggie. Like some people today will say, oh, I tried Jesus. I tried God. You don't try to be Jewish. It was like you're in. You commit. And once you're circumcised, you follow all of the law. You ate kosher. You did all of these things. And when you were in, you were considered fully Jewish no matter where you started and if you had kids that came after that they were also considered Jewish so you're not only just joining a religion but also also an ethnicity but what if you don't want to do all that? Well, there is another way you could connect to these people, and that's by becoming what is called a righteous Gentile or a God-fearer. If you didn't want to do a lot of those things, like maybe even being circumcised, there was a way. You read about these people a lot in the scriptures, these god fears. They weren't full converts, and they were seen by a lot of Jews as second-class citizens in their synagogues. And it's not that they didn't believe, they just typically weren't circumcised. They weren't following the whole law. And yet, Judaism was still open to these People. They were welcome in synagogues. They could participate in certain Jewish festivals, but they didn't have to keep the whole Torah, and they also could never teach like Paul and Timothy did when they went to these synagogues. Now these people, they gave them essentially seven laws. They were called Noah's laws. There are a few dietary. One was don't murder, which is always a good one by the way. Uh, don't eat blood, so have your steaks well done. And it was a sense that they could get along with these people in the synagogues, but not being full Jews. And again, they couldn't teach in those places. Hopefully that makes sense. Now some people see what Paul did by going into these synagogues and wanting to talk about the grace of Jesus. They saw it sometimes as Paul being a sheep in wolf's clothing oh he didn't really believe what they believed he wanted to change them but that's not what paul is doing paul sees christianity as the fulfillment of everything the jewish faith was always hoping for he knows that judaism was never meant in the in the end just to be a bunch of moral rules it's about being god's image bearers in the world being restored to relationship with god himself and so in order to be able to move among the Jewish community without putting up any type of wrong barriers at the wrong moment, Paul circumcises Timothy in agreement with T- Timothy, not against his wishes. Again, Timothy's dad was Greek. He didn't have Timothy circumcised as a baby. But really the qualifications for Jewishness, most rabbis say, come through the mother. Because they say, well, you're never sure who the dad was, but you're always sure who the mom was. And so Paul has Timothy circumcised not for salvation. Not for salvation, or needed to become part of the family of God, but it made it easier to advance the gospel. And that is committed. And I wonder how committed we are to it. Not that you need to be circumcised, but how committed we are to advancing the gospel, especially in this time where people cannot even get out of their homes. Are we too afraid to even reach out to our neighbors or say hello from six feet away? I mean, God calls us to be those who step into each other's lives in a way that speak about his grace and his goodness. Now, you might ask or be wondering, how would anyone know if Timothy actually was circumcised? I mean, in order to go in the synagogue, you've got to lift up the toga and at your price of admission, like, show me this miracle. You know, what, no, not at all. By social standards back then, they're a little bit different than they are today. And if you went to the bathroom or you took a bath, you wouldn't normally be alone, and people would see and notice. And if they lied about Timothy's status as a Jew, it'd be found out. It would also come up in conversation because people knew Timothy's dad was a Greek, so people would ask about it, and it's always better not to lie. I mean, that's a good rule too, like it's always better not to lie. And I'm giving you a lot of information about this today and historical background, but I want you to understand what they were willing to do to engage the culture that was around them. Paul believed that these people needed to hear the message of God's grace and by doing this it made the inroads so much easier. Paul knew that not everyone was the same culturally. And as time progressed, things did begin to change a bit. And as an example, years later, you juxtapose this with a guy named Titus. Titus becomes a pastor in the Illyric church as well, and Titus is pure Greek, fully Greek. Now there's actually a book in the New Testament named for Titus that Paul wrote a letter to him as well. And Paul actually fought Titus not to have him circumcised by certain Jewish people in Jerusalem. This is Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And Paul says this, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, so he and Barnabas are together again, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revolution and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or not run in vain. But even Titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised though he was Greek and there's some things that kind of go on after this but what is the difference between Titus and Timothy and being all things to all people taking the gospel to those who are around us well I'll give you three things in this number one Titus was pure Greek like I said and Timothy was born of a Greek father than a Jewish mother In 2 Timothy 3.15, it tells us that from childhood, Timothy had been taught the Old Testament scriptures. That is a way of saying he was raised Jewish. He's raised Jewish. His father at some point might even have circumcised himself or not. We just don't know, but Timothy was not. Now, for Titus, this is an Acts 15 issue because Jews were pressuring him to become Jewish before he could become part of the family of God. Timothy already was Jewish by ethnicity, and for him to be circumcised, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal as it was for Titus. Now, secondly, the people Paul was resisting in Galatians chapter 2, the ones that are trying to make Titus get circumcised, Paul will eventually call them false brothers. The Jews that Paul was taking the message of the gospel to in Acts 16 were not even Christians. And so the difference between these two is in Galatians 2, it's the stupidity of professing Christians thinking we have to put something on top of faith and grace in order for people to be saved and become part of the family of God. In Acts 16, it says of Timothy, he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, meaning no Christians are pushing for Timothy's circumcision. But then he says, because of the Jews who were in those places. Paul had Timothy circumcised because of exactly where he was going. The word Jews were used over 85 times in the book of Acts, and it normally refers to those who have not believed in Jesus yet. John Piper writes this, Timothy's circumcision was not motivated by Christian pressure from within, but by a missionary strategy from without. And the third thing is in Galatians 2, Titus is almost like a test case. It's been years, and so Paul is now coming to Jerusalem again with Titus to be able to talk through these things. And Titus is going to go and become a pastor at a fully Gentile church. It would make no sense for him at all to be circumcised in that place, but Timothy is going to be a constant traveling companion with Paul. In Titus's case, a clear theological issue is at stake. But in Timothy's case, what's at stake is how unbelieving Jews are best going to be one to follow Christ. And I will tell you, I think it's interesting in this, that it is the whole idea of Christian freedom that God sets us free to be a free people. And that whole idea of freedom is what had Paul make sure Titus didn't have to get circumcised. It's that same freedom that made Timothy get circumcised. Because Paul says, to the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law. Though not myself being under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. That I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. And I would say Paul is not being inconsistent at all. When he goes out and he has Timothy circumcised, but he will not circumcise Titus. It's how do we reach out with the gospel that best reaches the culture that is around us. And I think we need to ask these questions. You know, why does Paul do these things? Why does Paul make himself a slave to all? Why does he do this with Timothy? Which is asking, really, why should we? Again, not get circumcised, but why should we look at the culture we live in? and talk to people in such a way that they can understand the message of grace, of spoken throughout the scriptures as brought to fulfillment in the person of Jesus. I think that we need to become a people who understand that we need to have an aim like Paul's aim. And what was Paul's aim? He tells us three things, to win others. Five times he says that his aim is to win people. He says that I might win the Jews, that I might win those under the law, that I might win those who are without the law, that I might win the weak. He then says to save others. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Not that he's doing the saving, but he is God's ambassador. And then the third thing is he says to be a partaker of the benefits of the gospel. He says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul knows that his faith in Christ would be inauthentic and false if he abandoned the pattern of life set by Jesus himself. That If he went around and no longer cared for people. And this is important for us today, especially in the midst of this epidemic, that we are called to be those who care for those around us. And you may not be able to interact with them directly, but there are ways we can reach out to one another. You know, in 1520, Martin Luther wrote a treatise, and he called it the freedom of the Christian. This is how he begins it. He says this, A Christian is a perfectly free Lord of all, subject to none. A Christian is a perfectly dutiful servant of all, subject to all. And then he explains He says, this, love by its very nature is ready to serve and be subject to him who is served. John Piper wrote this, he says, we know our goal and aim, our aim like Paul's is to save people from the wrath of God and to win them for eternal life. And in loving people like this, we prove the reality of our own faith and confirm our own participation in the gospel. What that means is we need to be a people who understand our own rescue and our own salvation enough that we want to take that out to other people because we are so excited about it. Paul does what he does and Timothy does what he does and Titus does what he does because they love people and they're excited about reaching people the best way that they can. And when we love God and understand that grace, it translates into love for others. And we are a people who are saved by grace. We are called to be a people who proclaim God's great grace. May we be those who look around us even now and see those who need the hope and the love of God the most and step into those situations. Because, yes, there is physical health and physical well-being, but there is spiritual well-being as well. And our God has come to step into the places where we feel most alone and most vulnerable and furthest from Him. And He takes all the things that separate us from Himself and he brings us to himself by what Jesus has done. So let's be a people who speak of that, who understand our own rescue enough that we can speak this in ways that make sense of our own rescue. And then we would reach out to those around us as well with God's great grace. Uh, The band's going to come up. They're going to find their way through the room that's going on. And I'm going to invite you a couple things uh, that we normally do at Element. If you at home would like to take communion, you can do that. Uh, You can grab bread and some juice and sit with your family and and pray and take communion to remember what Christ did to rescue and save us. That it is Christ's death and His resurrection that brings us new and true and real life. And we get to speak about that in ways that are that make a difference, especially where we are e- even now, that we understand our great grace and our great rescue and our salvation because of what God himself has done. And so you can take communion as a reminder of that. Uh, if you need prayer, uh, we, we have a couple ways to do that. You can go to our page. You can send an email to connect at our element.org. If you're on our Facebook page, you can add prayer requests there. Uh, you can, you can uh, text them, I think, at uh, 805-310, okay, don't text them. Apparently, don't do that. So email them to us, and, and we'd love to pray with you. If you need someone to call you and pray with you over the phone, we would love to do that. Get a hold of us, and, and, and we'll do that because we want to make sure that we are loving one another enough in the midst of what is going on. Now, normally at Element, you know, we, have, we have offering boxes next to all the doors. They're still here, uh, but you can't get to them. And if you would like to give, you can give online. Uh, I give online. Uh, you can also, if you like... Like, I don't know this internet, it doesn't make sense, and you want to mail a check, you can do that. Uh, 4890 Bethany Lane, Santa Maria, California, 93455, you can send it in. Because we are still giving to all the church planners around the world that we support. We're giving to all the different domestic things that we give to. We haven't stopped giving or doing anything that we're doing and giving away who we are. So if you would like to give, giving is part of our worship. It's always a response to what God has done. And I know that Element, you go out and grab a donut and run around and all this right now, but we don't have donuts here. No one brought them this morning. No one even gave me one. So, and I love cinnamon rolls, so I, I don't get it. But maybe you can go in your kitchen and make some toast or some eggs or some bacon, which is even awesome, more awesome. And you can share it and then have a kind of this you know, meal with one another this morning. Uh, take the sermon notes, which are connected uh, to this page where you're watching these videos, and you can pull those questions up and talk to one another, ask those questions that are in there. Like, you know, Where are the places that you find it hard enough to understand the culture that's around you? Where are the places that you wish you understood something better? And maybe talk to one another to understand that. If you have kids, talk to them about how to understand the culture of their school and how to speak of the great grace of Jesus where they are to the other students that are there. Pray with your kids. Pray with one another about the great goodness of our God who has rescued us so we would understand that God has sent us to be light and hope in his hands and feet to this world. We would understand things well enough to do what we do for the sake of the gospel that God may use us to reach others and win some. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would take us as a people and that you would draw us to you in, in ways that have us begin to understand our own great rescue and our own redemption. That we'd be a people whose words and songs will ever be speaking of your great love and rescue of who we are. That we would understand the depth of your great rescue. And in so understanding it, it would change us to be a people who then begin to reach out to those around us. Who share your great love and hope. That the world would see who you are by how your children begin to live that we would understand just the great grace that we receive, received just like Paul and just like Titus and just like Timothy. And we would love those around us that you love. And we would live in ways that reflect that great love and that you would be glorified by how we live and walk through the midst of this pandemic. And that in all things, in all things, you would in the end gain great glory by what you are doing, because we know you bring all things together for your glory and your people's good. So teach us to love and trust you in the midst of this. Thank you for your rescue and your salvation and things like the internet so we can live stream services together and still be a community. Thank you for your great grace. We ask all these things in your son's good name. Amen.